Welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C, along with my main man and producer, Miles. He's in studio right now. He's not a sports fan, but he's he's smiling. He's wonderful. He's doing great. You know, just always a pleasure to have him around and just want to give a quick shout out to everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studio. Shout out to Matt and Brianna Peters for always bringing out this great content and always these great shows that Gotham Podcast Studios has been uh producing over the last uh over the last year since we've been here. So just wanted to give a quick shout out to everybody here at uh GSP and uh, or GPS actually. So my co-host Sean Thomas is joining us via Skype right now. Sean, how you doing, buddy? Well, I am doing good. I am doing good. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing all right. I can't complain, man. I can't complain. Just got out of work, got me a couple slices of pizza, and now I'm here. You know, so it's great. So, uh, and we also have a, a guest with us joining us from the Instagram page Drive for Five. That's his his Islanders account. Is the one and only David Lazar. David, how you doing? I am doing swell. Thank you so much for having me today. Really excited to talk about the New York Islanders. Absolutely. And what a game it was last night for for the Capitals and for the Hurricanes because who would have thought at the beginning of this series that the Carolina Hurricanes would go into Capital One Arena, Game 7, in a very hostile environment and just play the way how they did. They came back. They were down 3-1. They wound up coming back, tying the game in the third period. And then they go in the double overtime. Washington had their chances. Carolina had their chances in the first overtime. And then as the game went on into double overtime, the Hurricanes wound up taking a late goal. And, you know, how sweet it is for the Hurricanes right now. Those bunch of jerks are moving on to play – the greasy losers, as Sean Avery would call them. So, Dave, I got to ask you, what's your, what was your reaction when you saw the Hurricanes beat the Caps yesterday? Well, my first immediate reaction was I'm watching this play unfold, and you see Brock McGinn cutting to the net, and all you see is Tom Wilson stumbling behind him. Brock McGinn puts the puck in the net off a pass from Justin Williams. Seeing Tom Wilson cost the Capitals that series made me so happy. Didn't have any rooting interest. Obviously, he won home ice, but I think the Islanders would have been okay against Barry Trotz's old squad. But seeing Tom Wilson after everything he's done to the NHL, the Islanders, specifically Lubomir Vesnowski's career, seeing him have a defensive lapse that cost Washington the series, that made my heart warm. But moving on to the team, Carolina Hurricanes are a good hockey team. They're a scary hockey team. They are the identical makeup of the Islanders. They have a really good defense. They're riding this kind of upstart, crazy goaltending tandem that no one expected would work. They don't really have the forward talent on paper, but they've made it work. They have a team that continues to prove people wrong, just like the New York Islanders, and this series is really going to have some interesting storylines. For one, the first thing that pops out to me is that potential Game 6, Game 7 back-to-back. That has the potential to be crazy. I have no idea why that is in place, but it really benefits the Islanders because they have the strength in the back-to-back. I think this will be a bigger challenge than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Carolina plays harder. They want it more. Pittsburgh was lazy. Pittsburgh was an easy team to play against. They really were. They didn't put up much of a fight. The Islanders, I would say, are the favorite. 
Right now, NHL.com for the first time is predicting them to win. The Islanders have a really good chance to play in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they have a huge test coming up against the Carolina Hurricanes. That's crazy right there, man. You know, everybody, like like you said, Dave, they have that attitude ever since probably the 1st of January with Rob Brindamore uh, basically going in there and just doing one hell of a job. I mean, the Islanders, they won three in a row against Carolina, including the home opener uh, not in Carolina, and then twice after that. So they go in, and, and to to be to be quite fair with this Carolina Hurricanes team, you know, after after a certain mark in the season, they just turned it on. You know, like the St. Louis Blues, they just absolutely just turned it on at the right time and they they are one of the more dangerous teams right now. How do you feel about this matchup going in? Because like you said, there's a lot of similarities here with both these teams between, you know, Don Cherry hates both these teams. But with that being said, you know, there's sort of similar styles here. How do you think they'll they'll fare out? I think the Islanders are the favorites. I think they should win this series. And I have did not say that against Pittsburgh. I really didn't. It wound up being an easy series, but I thought it'd be a dogfight. The Islanders are the favorites. They have home ice. Barkley Center will definitely be different, but it still is an advantage. The Hurricanes match up okay against the Islanders. Not great. Here are their strengths, though. Jacob Slavin is a really good defenseman. He puts up nine points in seven games. The guy plays 27 minutes a night on a top pair that was really good for Carolina. Their defense, they have six really good defensemen. Calvin DeHaan is probably their worst defenseman on paper, you could say. Maybe Trevor Van Riemstrike. But they have a terrific defense. And that's going to be tough for the Islanders to penetrate. Can they do what they've done all season in the neutral zone, can they get into the offensive zone? Can they set up that classic Islanders shift where they're in the zone for two minutes, where they're making line changes, where they're wearing the Hurricanes down? With the Barkley center crowd behind them, the Islanders have the potential to really get some big goals and blow Carolina out of the water. But Carolina is going to put up a big fight. One player I'm highlighting, Michael Furland, he only played three games in the first round. He had zero points. Will he be a factor? Will some of the players that didn't have great series, Neo Niederreiter, one point, Jordan Martinuk, two points. They had a few depth players, kind of like the Islanders, but a little more extreme. They were kind of carried by an a amazing performance by Warren Fogle, by Sebastian Ajo, by Dougie Hamilton, by their defense. Is their depth going to come through and help the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Islanders? Because if they have a similar performance, I think the Islanders have a really good chance of upsetting this team that going in is really confident. David, Bell, my question for you is before round one, me and Will were talking about players that had to have a big series for them to win. And number 12, Josh Bailey, he was my pick and he came through scoring some goals. He played a really good first round. If there is a guy now that we're in the second round, is there a guy or two that if we are that if we are going to win round two, this guy or these two guys needs to step up their game for us to win? I don't think the Islanders are that type of team. I will give you a player, but I truly don't think the Islanders are the team that needs one player to step up because, frankly, they have a team. Last series, they had four or five players that stepped up. They had Adam Pellick pitching an absolute gem of a four games just dominating Sidney Crosby. That was 
magnificent to watch. Unbelievable. I never thought I would see that last year after the season he had. But I will highlight a line that I think wasn't bad against Pittsburgh, but they weren't great. And that was the fourth line of Casey Zizekas, Cal Clutterbuck, and Matt Martin. They were kind of a factor. They played solid defensively, but they weren't that usual self of a line where they can dominate play. Casey Zekas, zero points. He was a minus three. Not acceptable. Five shots on goal. The guy was a scorer this year. Can he continue his regular season play in the second round against a team he's fared well against? The fourth line has the potential to really help the Islanders. They just need to step up and play like they did for 82 games before the playoffs. Dave, how do you feel about this, you know, this match? We talked about the matchup, but with the Islanders layover, they they last played a game on Tuesday, last Tuesday. It's going to be 11 days since this team has, you know, played a game, a meaningful game. And all the practices and all everything like that, you can't compete. You can't compare uh, an actual game time situation to practice. But with that being said, do you do you think that this team's going to be like very sluggish? You feel in, in like the first couple minutes of the game, you know, or you see more energy uh, being assessed because we know the fourth line is going to be starting a game between Zizekas, Martin, and Clutterbuck, and whoever the two defensemen is going to be between Pollock and uh, Pellick. But what do you what do you what do you think about the energy right now? Be with the Islanders. The Islanders are a team, and you you know that sounds crazy. That's what Ottawa said about their team, but the Islanders truly are a team. They are not an individual surrounded by a supporting cast. The Islanders are a team. They're an entity. They're one being. They play together. The Islanders need a packed crowd at Barclays Center. They will get that. The Islanders fans will travel. You're, you can't tell me that the New York Islanders, with everything they've done this season, with Barry Trotz behind the bench, with Mitch Korn and Piero Greco working with Leonard and Grice, keeping them sharp. You can't tell me this team is going to struggle. They're rested. Their bodies probably feel good. Scott Mayfield's doing coffee tours. Anthony Beauvillier is at a different cafe every day. There's social media games. They were having fun. The Islanders had a break, and that's something they haven't had all season. This is an advantage. This is for them to get their mental health better, for them to get their physical health better. Yeah, the Islanders might have a first rough game one, maybe first five minutes, maybe first minute. Who knows? But it's worth it. The Islanders need to be mentally sharp, and they will be. Barry Trotz will have this team ready. They'll go with the same lineup with the exception of Johnny Boychuk. Thomas Hickey will be fired up to come and step in. The Islanders will be fine. I truly believe they will be fine. I posted on my Instagram that, you know, the Islanders, are they going to struggle? You look at history, and this is where I'm a little concerned. Barry Trotz has defined history, defined defied analytics, defied everything this season. But one thing that's tough to kind of justify is you look at teams in the past and you look at history, you look at the Montreal Canadiens, you look at the Anaheim Ducks, you look at all these teams in the past that have had these huge layoffs. They don't do well. They get shut out. They come out sluggish. The Islanders have the potential to change the narrative, rewrite history, and be the one team that uses this break as a positive instead of a negative. They'll be sharp. Carolina's banged up. But Carolina is a really feisty team. The Islanders need to come out, match that intensity, be mentally prepared, and I'm telling you, they will be just fine. David, you kind of answered my next question, but um, the question was going to be, obviously round one was at the barn. The crowd was amazing for game one and game two. Barclays, some of the fans are going to obviously come to the games, but obviously from the fans to 
the uh, uh, media guys, everybody's kind of looking down at, you know what I'm saying, uh, Harkley's four-round uh, number two. Do you think the change is going to affect this team in any sort of way, or do, do you think that it's just um, home is home and they're going to be fine? Huh. That's a good question, because honestly, my generic answer is, the Islanders fans will be there. And that's true. The Islanders fans will be there. They'll be loud. Section 329 is going to be pumped. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great atmosphere. And honestly, I've been a huge Barclays homer. I come to school right next to Nassau Coliseum, and yeah, Nassau Coliseum is growing on me. But seriously, my whole life, ever since the Islanders moved to Barclays Center, I've really supported it, and I've gotten a lot of hate for that. But here's what I do now. Barclays Center, the fans will be there. It'll be a great atmosphere. There'll be more fans there. It'll be, in terms of just pure just energy, it'll be louder because there's going to be more fans. Obviously, the dynamic of the arena is terrible, but seriously, there's going to be more fans there. There's going to be more people there. It's going to be great. Here's where I get scared, though, and that's the players. They've got young kids. Josh Bailey, Cal Clutterbuck, Casey Zekas. These players have families. And Barclays Center is an away game. It is. In terms of ge- geography... The Islanders players have a really, really tough game day routine. On the record, players have complained about it. There's players like Thomas Vanek who haven't signed because of it. The commute to Barclays Center is a nuisance. It's not a derailment, but it's a nuisance. So here's what the Islanders are going to have to do. Lou Lamarillo is looking into hotel options to give players a potential option that have kids that need a place for their family. They could stay in a hotel. The Islanders just need to be mentally prepared. They've done it all season. The Islanders have a very good record at Barclays Center, an actually ridiculous record. They are very good at this arena, and they split the slate. They were the same record at Nassau Coliseum and Barclays Center. So I think the players will be fine on the ice. They'll be great. They'll be pumped up. But mentally, it will take a toll on them. It's just something else the Islanders need to prepare for and need to be ready for because, honestly, the commute, the game day routine, it's like – it's like in college, I have my days with two classes, and then I have my days with four classes. Barclays Center is the day with four classes. Nassau Coliseum is the day with two classes. It's just more difficult. It's just annoying. It's just something that you don't want to do in a perfect world, but the Islanders are going to have to do it. However, enough with the players because the fans, which you asked about, they will be ready. They will be livid. They will be pumped up. If the game was on Mars, we would go to this game, I'm telling you the crowd and the atmosphere will be unreal and it will only get better the further the Islanders advance. And the last time the Islanders actually played at Barclays Center was back, I believe, on February 16th against the Oilers. So yeah. a lot of uh, a lot has happened since then. And the last playoff game that was there was, what, game four of the 2016 semifinals between the Lightning and the Islanders. So there's a lot that ultimately can happen. But speaking of one guy that was on that team, Calvin DeHaan, he was on that team from 2016. And Nino Niederreier, another former Islander, uh, do you see these guys probably going to have an impact on this team? Because, hey, they played against some, they played against guys like, with Sizikis and, and the Martins of the world. And, you know, th- does that hold, hold much weight? It does. It does. Not necessarily bad weight, but it's an advantage for Carolina because in practice, not that there's going to be a lot of practice, but for morning skates in the locker room, these players are friends. These players talk. They have their group chats. Calvin DeHaan is going to know some things about the Islanders. And yes, granted, Barry Trotz is the coach. He won't know the system. He won't know how to – he's not like a spy. 
but he knows how the Islanders operate. He knows a lot about this team. He knows a lot about the fans. He interacts with us on Twitter. He just liked my tweet 20 minutes ago. The guy's a really cool guy. I love Calvin DeHaan. He's one of my favorite players ever to wear the blue and orange. And that's going to have some weight. He's going to know the Islanders. He's going to know where to skate on the ice. He's going to, he's going to know how to you know, play his game a little better. It's a slight strategic advantage. But I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, oh, it won't matter. Nino Niederreiter, Calvin DeHaan are going to be pumped up to beat their former team. And they're going to know a few little secrets about the Islanders. So I do think it's a minor factor. Sean, you there, bud? Okay. Um, Dave, just a couple more questions for you. Um, I know, like you said, we talked about Barry Trotz and, you you know, you talk about the coaching and everything like that. Last year, Doug Waite really just didn't, didn't have this team. Everybody was just basically just, you know, just going out and doing their own thing. Now with Trotz here, it's just basically night and day. Just what is it with Barry Trotz? You feel like that this team is just they're gelling. They they feel like they know what's going on over here with the Stanley Cup uh, ring experience here. Just what do you what do you think right now? Barry Trotz is just an amazing person. He's a really really good guy. He's a a leader. He's a role model. And he's almost like a dad figure, a father-type figure, where the players trust him and they listen to literally everything this man says. The, the players are sponges when it comes to Barry Trotz. When you have a man who has won a Stanley Cup less than a year ago coaching you after experiencing years of Jack Capuano and Doug Wade, no offense to them, but they're not Barry Trotz, it's just something different. And Barry Trotz is one of the greatest students of the game I have ever seen this man goes into playoff series and comes up with a complete game plan and executes it perfectly if the players lose it's not his fault he's done everything he could the way he locked down pittsburgh putting adam pellet against Sidney crosby it was art it was poetry it was magical he just dominated the pittsburgh penguins it wasn't even close Sidney crosby looked dejected you look at the games against john tavares Barry Trotz knows what he's doing, and the players follow him. Whether it's an Adam Pellick, as I've said, whether it's Ryan Pollock, a young defenseman, kind of emerging into his role, Scott Mayfield, the fourth line, Jordan Everly picking it up in the playoffs, Anders Lee is Barry Trotz's almost sidekick, an amazing captain. Barry Trotz does it all, and Barry Trotz does it right. The players respect him, players love him, and he is one of the smartest men in hockey. And I think that Washington really, really regrets not paying some money when the same owners are paying Bradley Beal and John Wall $50 million a year. That's a shame. You should have paid the money for Barry Trotz because Washington is that ended their, that ended their cup chance for a long time. Barry Trotz was the main reason the Washington Capitals won that series, won that Stanley cup. Seriously. He was so important. And as we've seen with the Islanders, Barry Trotz is the X factor. Barry Trotz is a fantastic leader and Washington's going to be biting their lips for a lot of years because Barry Trotz is going to do great things on the island. Dave, um, my next question for you is, and I don't want to look down the road, obviously, but I'm starting to get a feeling that this could be one of those magical seasons for mm-hmm. the team, one of those teams of, you know what I'm saying, uh, the destiny 
uh, type of feel. Do you have that same vibe or or is it still too thin early? Check my Instagram account. I had this feeling in October after three games. The New York Islanders <laughs> are special. They are the Vegas Golden Knights of this season. I've been saying that for so long. The moment that Barry Trotz came in and the moment I was very upset that John Sparrows left, but the way the players handled it, the way Lou Lamarillo handled it so professionally, I just knew. I was so confident with this team, and it showed on the ice. During that win streak where the Islanders went like 23-2 and in 25 games or something like that, the Islanders were the best team in hockey. They truly were. And they have played such a strong, structured game. And you look at the playoffs, just completely dominating the team that has won two of the last three Stanley Cups. And you have good feelings. You have that butterfly feeling in your stomach. Carolina is not the Tampa Bay Lightning of three years ago. They're not. Carolina is a very winnable opponent. And the Islanders will have a chance, in my opinion, to play for the Stanley Cup. Here's where I get scared, though. And you saying, yeah, I have that feeling that this could be the year. Here's where that's an issue. Because Carolina has that feeling. Boston has that feeling. Dallas has that feeling. Columbus has that feeling. San Jose has that feeling. Colorado has that feeling. St. Louis has that feeling. Every single team that is in the playoffs right now has dealt with adversity has seven or eight storylines. They've been in last place. They've been in the middle of the pack. They've been in first place. These teams, I've never seen a playoff in any sport, what we have right now. All four division winners go down. Ten overtimes in the first round. The parity in the NHL right now is unreal. I have never. You watch an NBA game, I want to vomit. I want to vomit. As do I. Watching the two best series in the Eastern Conference, the Magic and the Raptors and the Nets and the Sixers in the last two games of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals, you have those two teams getting blown out by 30 points. I mean, the, the parity of the NHL right now is the best thing I've ever seen. I've never been more proud to be a hockey fan. I've never been more excited. But seriously, the Islanders, just like the other seven teams, have the potential to be that team. It's their year. It can be. But first, they have to get past Carolina. Then they have to get past either Boston or Columbus, and that's going to be tough. Boston scares me a lot. Boston really scares me. Boston's going to be a test. If it comes to that, Boston's going to be really tough. But seriously, the Islanders are a great hockey team. I've had this feeling for so long. There's magic in the air. There's something special about this team. The storylines add up. Barkley Center Coliseum. I mean, that's never happened before. John Tavares leaving. The Islanders replacing John Tavares with Leo Komarov, Tom Kunakle. Valtteri Filipula. I mean, come on. Brock Nelson's resurgence. Anders Lee's captaincy. Robin the emergence Leonard. of Adam Pellet. And then how about Robin Leonard? I want to take some time to talk about him because, honestly, I have never been more moved. I have never been more in awe of watching a player get asked one question. Oh, how important has it been for you to have this impact? And this man give a six-minute answer about just so real. His personal life is on the line. Everyone knows about it, and he is saving lives. There are fans who have decided to wait another day because of Robin Leonard. There are fans that have given a new chance on life because of Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard is one of the most fantastic individuals. And Robin Leonard, I'm telling you, will win every award he's nominated for. He is a fantastic individual. And when you have Robin Leonard in net, when you have players fighting for someone like that, the storylines are there. 
the storylines are there. Barry Trotz going for another cup. I'm telling you, with Robin Leonard, with everything that's happened, I'm really confident about the New York Islanders' success this season. Dave, you know, you, you talk about Robin Leonard right there. Another guy that hasn't really played at all this, this whole postseason, even though it's been four games, albeit, has been Thomas Grice. Do you see in any way, shape, or form here if Thomas Grice goes in, whether it be in an emergency situation or, you know, if Robin Leonard has a bad game for for this postseason, you know, do you see Grice getting in there and getting the start in net one of these games? Sure, hope not. I think that if that were to happen, it wouldn't be good because that means Robin Leonard struggling. But seriously, Robin Leonard, Robin Leonard is the number one guy. Trotz has given him the trust. He said at the season ticket meeting that we were all at, mm-hmm. he said he's picking one goalie, and it's Robin Leonard, and that's clear. If Robin Leonard has a bad game, though, here's the thing. Thomas Grice is one of the best goaltenders against the Carolina Hurricanes. This man, when he's in Raleigh, playing in front of his supporters from his camp, playing in front of his loved ones, he's a monster. So if it comes to that, if Robin Leonard has a bad game, if the Islanders are down 3-2 in game six and Robin Leonard has been struggling, Thomas Grice is another storyline, another factor that if you throw him in, granted, he hasn't played in like three weeks. He's not someone you want to just toss out there and potentially have a season loss because Thomas Grice isn't warm. But Thomas Grice, if it comes to this, if there's an injury, if Robin Leonard has a few bad games, Thomas Grice is one of the best options you could ever have because, seriously, he is a fantastic goaltender, and he is an even more fantastic goaltender against the Carolina Hurricanes, coincidentally. He has a chance to get in, but it would take some negative circumstances for that to happen. Sean, can you hear at all anything? Or... I'm here, Will. Um, Dave, my last question for you is, you cover the team, you do such a great job, and obviously me and Will and everybody knows that you're such a big fan of the team. This is your third time come, uh, coming on the show. Me and Will uh, appreciate it every single time. Just tell everybody you know, out there how, uh, how they can uh, follow you and everything that you do for this team. Great. Well, I really appreciate that. I love coming on the show. You guys are great. Will's been great to me in person. Seriously, you guys do a great job, and I'm always honored to come on the show. I really appreciate talking to you guys. But in regards to me, I run an account called Drive for Five. That's with the number four and the word spelled out. And about two years ago in July of 2017, so we're approaching two years now, can't believe it, I decided to start this account and we have really grown since. There are some other people out there that cover the team. Some of them have about an equal following that I do, not naming names, but what I do specifically is I am very positive. I don't think people want to see negative coverage because that's not what people want to see. They want to see positivity. They want to always believe, as the great Patrick Dowd, I know Will and I love him. As he says, you always believe. you got to stay positive because mm-hmm. if you're not, And what kind of fan are you? You have to always believe. And I have always believed since the moment I became a fan. And I'm so happy that the Islanders are finally on the up and coming. But in regards to my account, I have partnerships with a lot of local businesses. SeatGeek, you can use code DRIVE for 5 on SeatGeek for $20 off. FanDuel, you can use code TOUCHDOWN5 and .100 for $200 risk-free bet. 
I have a lot of great offers. I have a lot of great business ideas. I love just using this platform to do good. I love the Islanders fan base. There's no better people in the world. So you can check out our website, drive.blog, our Instagram, our Twitter. We have all the coverage you need, and it just makes me so happy to go live, to talk to fans, to see people at games, and just talk about the New York Islanders because it's a big part of my life. I love this team, and when they are successful, we all are successful. And right now, the New York Islanders playing like they are is the most beautiful thing I've seen in some time. Seriously, the Islanders right now are proving everyone wrong, always believing, and finally, after years of struggling, after years of struggling with the team, surrounded by one individual that didn't have a potential, finally, finally, the Islanders have a legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup, and there's never been a better time to be a fan. Dave, that was a great, great way to just basically, how do you say it, just basically... You're a fan of the team and you cover the team very, very well, man. You know, really, really proud of what you do. I I know I met you at a, at a lot of Islanders games this year. So, you know, dude, best of luck to you, man, along the way. You know, whether or not it be in school or whether or not it be over at the at at the Coliseum or at the at Barclays, wherever it may be. Dude, you, you just do a really great job of covering this team. So and you always give out great insight, like you said, and like Pat Dowd says, you know, the sign guy, you always got to believe and always got to keep the faith. So, and you do a very good job of that. So I just wanted to just commend you on that. Thank you so much. If you don't have positivity, if you don't have faith, what are you doing being a fan? There's no point of being a New York Islanders fan if you're going to hate on your own players, if you're going to hate on other fans. Seriously, we're all united. We're all under one front. Let's combine. Let's form a passionate crowd at Barclays Center and let's win a Stanley Cup. Before you go, I have a quick question for you. How many games do you see the Islanders winning the series? Do you not see the Islanders winning the series? I know you're a big positivity guy, but what, what do you see the series? Uh, what do you see the series coming out to? It's a great question, and I think that the Islanders playing in a back-to-back coming at the end of the series is a safety cushion. If it comes to that, the Islanders are the best team in hockey, not just this year, but one of the best teams in NHL history in back-to-back. That is a huge advantage. If it comes to that, the Islanders are down 3-2. Bet every penny you have. Go to Sports Betting Canadian, the account that I promote every single game. Bet every penny you have on the Islanders winning that series because they are amazing in back-to-back. So right now, I hope it doesn't come to that, but if I had to give a venture, I'd say maybe the Islanders come out slow. Maybe the Islanders take a little bit to get their rumble, but after two games at Barkley Center, after game five with Robin Leonard, with the whole team buzzing like they are, getting the Islanders in six and look for them to be playing the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Absolutely. You did hear it here first on On the Board Sports. David Lazar, thank you so much for coming on the show. It means a lot for us and for our listeners out there. I know we're an Islander. We're Islander fans here, but just thank you again for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'll see you at some of the playoff games. Absolutely. See you on Sunday, bud. Yep. Have a great day. You too, man. Thank you. That was the one and only David Lazar from the Drive for Five Instagram page. Does a wonderful job of covering this New York Islanders team and just He's a fan. What more can you ask for, you know? But 
I really do feel as if this, and he's only 19. He's young. He's going to be the future, for the future face of whether it be the Islanders, whether it be some NHL team somewhere. He is going to be the future of a pro sports uh, fan base for commentating games, I feel, or even just putting out some really, really good info because he is one of the best to do it. And he's always positive, and sometimes that's what you need. You know, that's what you really need the most. Yeah, man, and you, and, well, the funny thing is, you know, I think, and I'm and I'm glad that you mentioned how how well not even how how old he is, how young he is because you know what I'm saying like he's done so much for somebody that is, you know, saying uh, that young. But you know, he wears his passion on his sleeve, the fandom uh, on his sleeve, and you know, well, he was one of our first ever guests. Probably was the first guest. He was. World, so he was. Right. Right. So. The fact that, you know, we've had him on a couple more times. And, you know, well, man, like, I'm looking forward to this being a great um, series. And one point that he made that I agree with him 110% um, percent is, well, with all four of the division leaders, well, being out, he's kind of right. The, the, eight re, the eight teams left all have that this is our year vibe. This is our year feel. This is our year. Why not us? Why not us? So as much, you know what I'm saying, faith and the magical feelings that we have, the other seven teams have it as well. So I can't wait for uh, tomorrow to get uh, a round two going. It's been a long wait now. You know, the funny thing, I hate to bring this guy's name up, but John Tavares, right? The team said Your he's... Boy. Your boy. All right, stop with that. Anyway, that's bedsheet boy to you. <laughs> Not my boy. It's bedsheet boy. But anyway, yeah, he uh, he wound up signing with Toronto, the seven-year, $77 million deal. He wound up taking less money to go to Toronto instead of re-signing with the New York Islanders. Look at the teams here that were in the final five, including Toronto. The Islanders, the Boston Bruins, the Dallas Stars, and... There is another team that, that that's on the tip of my tongue right now that oh uh, there's there was another team that was on the tip of my tongue, but all four of those teams mm-hmm. are in the second round right now. That's crazy. And I get it. There are some other teams out there that, you know, like the Tampa Bay like the uh like the Lightning, like the like the Maple Leafs and maybe a couple other teams, all four division winners wound up losing in the first round. And you know what, man, that just goes to show you that this is arguably one of the better, uh, better team. This is one of the better team sports out there. And for those people that hate on hockey and for though, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to the, to the listeners out there. I, at one point in time did not like hockey. I did not. When I was growing up, I did not like hockey. It would be the fourth sport for me to to watch i never really played it but when you start seeing the 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 quality of games in the nba go down and you see the players and their egos and everything like that just go down i get it's a business i also get to where these where these players are coming from it's it's tough it's a it's a it's trying to build your own brand and trying to you know 
build your own family here. But with that being said, there's a lot of egos. And in hockey, you know, five years ago, I started watching it, like really getting into it. And I'm saying to myself, you know, wow, this is actually a very, very good game. It's physical, yes. It's tough. But, you know, you just got to go out there and you got to take the punches for what it is. And hockey, for for whatever reason, why it's fourth on the list, I'll never know outside of, of, you know, equipment being expensive or tickets being too expensive at all or anything like that. It's it's been it's been truly like a revelation for me to actually watch this game and realize, you know, wow, how great this sport is, especially when you have all four division winners going down in the first round like this and having a team like the Islanders go in and just basically just, you know, just proving everybody wrong from the beginning of the year on. I mean, this is just unbelievable. So Always been an Islander fan, though, but just never really gave hockey a chance until five years ago. So it's just it's crazy. Absolutely. Well, this is why when this is why when we've had on guests to talk about the team, one of the questions that I always ask them is Tavares left. Yes, but we lost a player, but we gained a coach. Which one would you take? Right. I think it's clearly evident that we are much happier with the coach than the coach that we have mm-hmm. than the player that we had. Now the player that we had was great. Dr. Tavares did a lot of great things and holds, you know, this record and that um, thing, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, to get a coach that had just came off winning a Stanley cup and to be able to get him and to be able to hire Lou and put Lou in charge of the team. I mean, you know, 300 and well, it well, it hasn't been a whole year, a whole year yet um, since he left the team. But you know, two hundred and eighty, two hundred and ninety days right. since John Tavares left. And well, I think it's fair to say that if we would have seen this two hundred, two hundred plus days back, room, I think we would have much rather took this than what we had at this point in twenty eighteen. Yeah, and you know what too? Like who would who would have known that this team would be playing great from last year going going to now and you know, who knows what would happen if uh that certain number ninety one would have stayed here. But you know, one thing's for certain, man, this this is a team. This is a team and this is something that is really, really going to uh hold a lot of uh meaning if they do advance. You know, if if this team does advance. And that is a big if because you know what I'm saying, like we don't wanna they don't wanna overlook them and uh you Carolina. know and well you know it, and well you know, it's kind of a crazy thing. Well the Islanders began the season at PNC Bank Arena. I was there for that, that. You were at Right. Right. And it's almost like the season has come full uh, circle, well. Right. The the two teams that opened the season against each other, the other team is going to end the other teams this season. So right. it's just crazy how, you know, fast time flies and how full uh, circle things could come. But, you know, well, um, um, uh, before we end this uh, show, I just want to branch over to the uh, West Coast right, right quick. Mm-hmm. And, well, we got to give huge shout outs to the San Jose Sharks. Right. They were down 3-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights 
They will win game five at home. They win a double overtime game on the road in game six. And then they win another, I think it was, double overtime game in game number seven at home. And, well, they were down three zip halfway through the third. That game was over. Vegas was starting to celebrate, and then they took a stupid five-minute major uh, penalty. The Sharks scored four unanswered goals. Vegas, they tied it on that end. Overtime, San Jose wins it. And, I mean, well, from a talent perspective, San Jose probably has the most uh, talent them and I want to say maybe uh, Columbus from just a pure talent standpoint. Those are probably the two most uh, talented teams left. But I just want to give those guys their due because it's never an easy thing to come back down from 3-2, 3-1. They were down 3-1, and they were in double overtime twice, and they still won. So shout-outs to the San Jose Sharks. Absolutely. Well, they were down three nothing at the at the beginning of the uh, of that five minute power play. To score four goals in that span was just absolutely unbelievable. You know, it was just truly, right. truly crazy. Kind of reminiscent of the Islanders. Hate to bring them up again, but you know, uh, we're at this point we're an Islanders podcast. Just about we are. But but uh, <laughs> uh, hey, I'll admit that that's fine. All we talk about is Islanders on here, and nobody really talks about them outside of Mike Carver, ILC podcast, uh, everything like that. But hey, you know what? It is what it is. But uh, anyway, no. Uh, just uh, just to clarify here, last year you probably watched the game. You probably saw the highlights. Islanders they get a uh, they get a break. They were down five two against the Detroit Red Wings. And they wound up coming back and winning that game, uh, six to f- uh, seven to six, in overtime, thanks to a major penalty on Tyler Bertuzzi uh, slashing Cal Clutterbuck in the knee. And you know that was after they, after Doug Waite pulled Thomas Grice in favor for Yar Halak, and Yar Halak wound up giving up a goal, I believe the eleven minute mark in the third period at that time to make it five two. But for the Islanders to score four goals, it's it's uneasy, especially but. They had one of the better power plays last year, and they had obviously a right set of right set of uh, line line combos there. So, but that's whether here nor there. But you know, just just wanted to just throw that out there. So, definitely, will, definitely. Will. So, we shall see. Uh, T minus twenty six hours and counting till game one. Will so I know me, you, David, and everybody that is a fan of the blue and orange team. We are ready to go. Exactly, exactly, man. Sean, you have any final thoughts on this uh, on this hockey episode? No, sir. Just want to thank David Lazar again, Draft for Five. You know, give him a follow on Instagram, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, just uh, go out, go. You know, uh, we shall see how the weekend unfolds. Friday and Sunday games one and two, and will yes, I actually do have one final thought. Will for all the fans, please pack. Brooklyn out. Pack Brooklyn, travel, get there in plenty of time. Make sure the building is up is, you know what I'm saying, loud. Yes, it's not the barn, but you know, obviously if the team had their choice, it would have been at the barn. And NHL put round one at the barn and the rest of the series here. Just pack the place out, make some noise, and let's support this team. Whether they're at the barn or whether they're at uh, Barclays, that should be the last thing on anybody's mind. The fact that we are even still playing 
soon it will be made. The fact that this team is still playing games, that's really the number one thing on everybody's mind. Yeah, you know, just uh, just crazy, man. Just absolutely crazy and nuts what's been going on in the NHL world. Just uh, don't write any teams off yet, you know what I mean? Because in hockey, anything can happen within the blink of an eye. So for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios, for our wonderful producer, Miles, and for my great co-host, Sean Thomas, and also just wanted to give a quick shout-out to, again, David Lazar for coming on to the show. Truly awesome coming on and just giving us a couple minutes of his time. I know he's a busy busy person with school, running his Instagram page and all that stuff. Just wanted to just give him a quick shout-out. And, yeah, and for all the Islanders fans out there, hey, game one tomorrow at the Bark is going to be absolutely crazy. So let's pack Brooklyn and let's be loud and let's go Islanders. And I'm your host, Will Cherucci, logging out. Let's go Islanders, baby. Let's go.